Good morning. Turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. You probably already know the subject of the message this morning, but before I lose you, I'd like you to make an effort to follow along with me this morning. When we talk about something as generic as faith, it's easy to tune out because we've heard about it all our lives and we know what it is. But as I was thinking about faith the last week or two, I was thinking how I know what it is, I understand what it is, but I would have a difficult time explaining it to somebody in a convincing way. And I'm guessing I'm not alone in that. You all know what faith is. You understand what it is. But can you convince somebody that you have faith and can you convince them what it actually is? Nabil Qureshi, when he was explaining the doctrine of the Trinity, he said it's important to be able to articulate the doctrine of the Trinity. Otherwise, you... You don't really know what you believe in if you can't. You'd you'd like to, but you don't know what it is. And I think the same is true when it comes to faith. It's important that we can articulate or explain what faith is. If we can't, we'd like to believe in it, but we, we don't really believe it. So what is faith? There was once two boys playing together, and they were counting their pennies. They each had the same amount. The first one counted his pennies. He said, I have five pennies. The second one was counting his pennies and he said, I have ten pennies. And the first one said, no, you don't. You have five, just like me. And the second one said, no, I have ten. My dad told me when he comes home from work, he's going to be giving me five more pennies. I have ten pennies. He had faith. That's what faith is. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. He didn't see the pennies. He hoped for the pennies, but he knew he was getting them. That's what faith is. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. As we look at faith this morning, I'd like this question to be lurking in the back of your minds through the entire morning. Am I... Are you a man or a woman of faith? Keep that just rolling around in your mind as we continue on. But this verse, this definition, is the most profound definition of faith you will ever find. You, I think I've never heard a better one of someone explaining what faith is. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'd like to unpack this verse a little bit. This morning it adds some depth to our understanding of what faith is. It's been said if you don't really know what something is, you'll spend a lot of time explaining what it is not. I think that's true to a degree, but I'm going to start this morning by explaining what faith is not. Because if we want to know what it is, we need to know what it is not. And I think a lot of the world is confused What they think is faith really is not biblical faith. So first of all, I'd like to look at what faith is not. For many people, faith is simply a religious feeling that's an emotional kind of wishful thinking. I feel strongly about it inside, therefore I have faith. That is not what faith is. 
You hear people say, I'm a person of faith. Well, that's nice, but what does that even mean? I'm a person of faith. Or they say, if it weren't for my faith, I'd never make it through whatever I'm going through. And that may be true. But faith is not simply this religious feeling that we feel all warm inside. An emotional kind of wishful thinking. If there's no outworking of that faith, if you don't see results of that faith in your life, it isn't faith. It can't be faith. It's simply a warm feeling inside that you feel strongly about. In my study the last week or two on this subject of faith, I was listening to a sermon by Alistair Begg And I came away with several thoughts that I'll be scattering throughout the message this morning from him. He said this, Alistair Begg said this, Faith is not some strong feeling inside us that is divorced from the objective truth of the scripture. I'll say it again, but listen carefully. Faith is not some strong feeling inside us that is divorced from the objective truth of the scripture. What this means is that faith is not the attitude of people who accept something as true apart from the evidence. Just you accept it as truth without looking at the evidence to back it up. That is not what faith is. He says this, it's not simply taking your brain out and putting it under the seat. It's not just a mindless, thoughtless, blind belief. That's not what faith is. John Lennox said, blind faith coupled with blind obedience is very dangerous. Another way to look at this is just because I believe something or even want to believe in something doesn't make it true. Because I believe in something or want to believe in something doesn't make it true. I find this the case with many conspiracy theorists. And I have heard probably more conspiracy theories in the last few months than I have in my life combined up till now. This whole pandemic has brought out some pretty fantastic stories of the source of the coronavirus and the agenda behind it. It's, it's amazing. These stories that people come up with, or I don't know where they hear them, but they believe them. They believe these stories because at the end of all what they tell you, and that's true, they'll tell you that. Just because you believe something or want to believe it doesn't make it true. It's not faith. This should certainly go without saying, but faith is not simply the power of positive thinking. Norman Vincent Peale wrote a book called The Power of Positive Thinking, And in that book, it says, before you get out of bed in the morning, every morning, say out loud to yourself or whoever's around you, I believe, I believe, I believe. Say it at least three times out loud and then you're good to go for the day. It doesn't tell you what to believe in or who to believe in, but I believe. And that is a good jump start to your day. That's not faith. Just to believe As Christians, who and what we believe is the most important part of faith. 
the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, not a longing for something that may or may not happen. So I've rushed through, briefly looked at what faith is not. It's not positive thinking. It's not simply positive thinking. Although it is nice to be around positive thinking people, that's not what faith is. It's not a blind obedience, just a wild abandon, trusting and believing in something without evidence to back it up. It's not an emotional, wishful thinking, that strong feeling inside you. That's not what faith is either. But what is faith? It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I was looking at what the substance of things hoped for, the substance, what that word means. It's the assurance or confidence are two other words that you could use there. The assurance or confidence of things hoped for. The Amplified Bible says this, it's the confirmation or the title deed, the title deed of things we hope for. So imagine this. Imagine that you had a friend came up to you and told you about a tremendous opportunity to buy a large piece of property in South America or wherever, South America. And you thought, that is a good idea. Real estate is a good investment. The price was right. So you go with this friend to a lawyer's office or a title company and you sit down and you talk about where it is, how big it is, when you can take possession of it. Um, you go through all of that, you get it notarized with that seal, that raised seal on there, and you stick that title in your pocket, and you are now the owner of a piece of property in South America. So you're walking down the street, and you meet another one of your friends, and they say, like we do, how's it going? What's new with you? And you say, I am the owner of a piece of property in South America. And they say, really? Well, have you seen it? Well, no, I haven't seen it. Well, what's it like? He said, well, I don't know. I, I actually haven't been there to see it. So, well, how do you know that you have it? And you pull out that deed and you show them. You said, because I've got this title, this deed for the property. And they say, well, how do you know, how do you know that they weren't taking you for a ride? How do you know that it's true? You say, well, I've got this raised seal, this notarized raised seal on here that proves that the seller was, was trustworthy. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God. Who hath also sealed us, and hath given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Moreover, I call God for a record upon my soul, that to spare you I came not as yet unto Corinth. Nor for that we have dominion over faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith ye stand. Look at verse 22. Who hath sealed us, and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. So you can now confidently go to someone and you can say, as a child of God, when I die, I'm going to heaven. And they might say, well, how do you know? Have you ever been there? And you say, no. Well, how do you know you're going there? And you can say, confidently, I have a title deed right here. 
And they will say, well, how do you know that that's true? How can you prove that that's trustworthy? And you can say, I have that seal. I have that raised, notarized seal. The Holy Spirit in my heart. The earnest of the Holy Spirit in my heart. That is what faith is. Faith is that title deed based on the evidence The trustworthiness of Scripture and the evidence of the Holy Spirit in my life is that notarized, that raised seal in your heart. That is what faith is. Your faith is based on the facts of God's Word and the inner conviction and the inner experience of the Holy Spirit. The evidence for our faith is historical evidence it's scientific evidence and probably the most meaningful to the child of God is it's an experience it's experiential evidence we experience the Holy Spirit in our life real biblical faith is not based on feeling but on evidence reliability and trustworthiness of the word of God so faith If I'm holding faith here, it needs to have a beginning. It needs to have a foundation and a source. And it can be one of two things. It can be either my desire to have security of something. My feelings can decide that I have faith. I want to believe in something, which is where conspiracy theorists come from. I want to believe in something, therefore I do and I have faith. Or it can come from the evidence of a trustworthy God. We see God. We know God. We trust God. We follow God. And therefore, we have the evidence for him and have faith in him. So the foundation of our faith can be our feelings, which is not true faith, or it can be the trustworthiness of God. True faith is not something we manufacture. It's developed. It's developed in our mind and our heart. And where those two come together is faith. It is a mind thing. Faith is, needs to come from our mind. It needs to come from thinking and from our intellect combined with that heart knowledge of the Holy Spirit and the heart knowledge of God. Those things coming together create faith. As God opens our eyes to the truth of who He is and His reliability, it creates faith and faith creates certainty. Look in Hebrews. Let's go back to Hebrews 11. Look at the certainty that these examples of faith had. We look at Abel and Enoch and Abraham and Moses and Sarah and Rahab and the list goes on and on. He even says, it says, and the time would fail me to mention, and he lists a whole bunch of people. Look at the certainty that they had. Where did they get this certainty? Where did they get this faith? It says they hadn't seen the promise or they saw the promise afar off but they never experienced it we've experienced the promise they were waiting for but we're still waiting for a promise as well it's a different promise but we're waiting to see the promise of eternal life we know we have faith and we trust that we will Alistair Begg if you ever have a chance to listen to some of his sermons do he has a very interesting way of speaking Um, And this is what he said. Follow closely. He says, believing... I have to say it slowly because there's a lot of words. Believing faith is not the fluctuation... See, I already messed it up. 
Believing faith is not the fluctuating notions of a subjective dimension within the spirit of a man or a woman, but it is that which is engendered in us as the result of a consideration of what's before us. What he's saying is, that's a very colorful way of saying, faith is the evidence of things not seen. It's not the fluctuating notion within us of something we want to believe in. It's the evidence of things not seen. So faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the assurance or the title deed based on the trustworthiness of the word of God. And it's the evidence of things not seen. So why do you believe what you believe? We all, at the, at the end of this message, we will probably kneel for prayer and I will speak. I'm not talking to any of you. I'm talking to someone who we can't see in this room. When you have your, your personal devotions, you, you maybe get on your knees and you pray to someone who's not even there that you can see in the room. Why do you believe someone is there? We claim to believe that God is in control of everything in our life. Why do you believe that? We've never seen heaven. And yet we have faith and a firm belief that when we die as children of God, we will go there. Why do you believe that? All of this, all of these things are based as a result of God opening our hearts to his truth and the trustworthiness, the understanding of his truth and who he is based on the evidence. Faith is based on evidence. Faith is always based on evidence. In 2007, Richard Dawkins, who is a renowned belligerent atheist, was I think it was in October of 2007, he was debating John Lennox, who's a Christian professor from England. And it's a fairly long debate, but one of the most interesting parts, I didn't listen to the whole thing, but part of it, they're talking about faith in God and John Lennox is talking about faith and how faith is based on evidence. And Richard Dawkins interrupts him And he says, evidence is all important. He says, evidence is the only thing that's important. It's all important. You only use the word faith when there's no evidence. You only use the word faith when there's no evidence. What do you think of that? My first thought when I heard that was, yeah, yeah, he's right. You only use the word faith when there's no evidence. And John Lennox said this. He said, I assume you have faith in your wife. Is there any evidence to support that? And without thinking, Richard Dawkins says, oh yeah, plenty of evidence. And then he felt silent because he realized the trap he just walked into. There, is, there has to be evidence to support faith. Otherwise, it's just a blind abandoning everything. And that's not what faith is. There has to be evidence to back up the faith. John G. Patton was making a translation of the scripture for the mission for the for the natives where he was a missionary and he was searching for the word faith the natives where he was had no word for the word faith one day he was working on his translation and a native entered the room where he was he was tired and he flung himself down on a chair rested his feet on another chair and remarked how good it was to lean his whole weight on the chairs 
feels good to lean my whole weight on the chairs and a light came on in his mind that that is the word for faith that's the word I'm going to use for faith to lean your whole weight on something to know that it's trustworthy based on the evidence it's holding me faith is based on evidence Hebrews 11 2 and 3 Talking about faith again. For by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which were seen were not made of things which do appear. This is the evidence of things not seen. That's what faith is. And next it lists these heroes of faith. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, and on and on. There's three things that these people of faith all had in common. And you're still thinking in your minds, right, about am I a person of faith? Keep thinking that. There's three things that these people of faith listed in this chapter had in common. They had a knowledge of God. They had a trust in God. And they lived out that trust. Those three things they all had. So if you're thinking like I'm thinking you're thinking, you have a knowledge of God, do you have a trust in God, and do you live out that trust? Yes, yes, and usually. Knowledge of God, trust in God, and living out that trust. Look at, look at Abraham as an example. In verse 8, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out not knowing whither he went. He had a knowledge of God. He knew and understood the voice of God as God spoke to him. He trusted God. And then he lived that out. He went out where he was going, not knowing where he went. Abraham knew God. He knew the voice of God. He trusted God and he lived it. That's just one example, but if you look at them all, they've got that. So are you a man or a woman of faith? Do you trust God? Do you you know God? I'm sorry. Do you have a knowledge of God? Do you trust that knowledge of God? And then do you live it out? We do pretty good on the first two. The knowledge of God. We want to know more about God. We claim to trust God, but the proof of that trust is in do we actually live out that faith? That belief that that we say God is trustworthy, do we live that out? We trust people every day. You all trust people every day. If you were going to get on a plane and fly from Minneapolis to Boston, your ticket would say Minneapolis, MSP, I don't know what the Boston code is, Boston. You'd fly from there. You'd want to go from there to Boston. You get on the plane... And let's just imagine you had a confused pilot who took off and headed west to Portland, Oregon. You probably wouldn't, or I wouldn't, know until I land and it says, Welcome to Portland, and I think we went the total wrong way. But the whole way I was going there, I had faith that we were going to Boston. We end up in Portland, Oregon, the total opposite direction. My faith was based on an untrustworthy source, so my faith was pointless. The Christian faith is based on a trustworthy source. We trust 
the pilot when we get in the plane, that he is a capable man, that he knows how to fly the plane, and he's going to get us to where the ticket says. And most times that's the case. If you go to the doctor, you have faith that he will give you the right, or most of you do, (laughs) to one degree or another. We have faith that he will give the correct medication and treatment for what we have. You all do, because when you, if you get sick enough, that's where you'll go. We trust that we, when you go to the dentist and you have a toothache, you trust that he's going to take that pliers and pull the correct tooth. If we trust human beings who have proven to fail over and over, why would we not trust a God with a perfect track record that has never, ever, ever failed. It's an arrogance of some sort that we have, that, that we have trouble trusting a God who has never failed, and yet we trust untrustworthy people over and over. First John 5, 9 and 10 says, If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. The New Living Translation says this, Since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God. And God has testified about his Son. All who believe in the Son of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true. Those who don't believe are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about his son. So we know God. We want to get to know him better. We trust God. But how is it going living that out day to day, even in the little things? When God speaks to your heart, the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart either in that quiet knowing or through a brother in the church or through somehow God speaks to your heart, even in a little thing, something you need to tweak in your life, a little thing, what do you do with that? I had to think of the rich young ruler in Luke 18. He came to Jesus. He knew Jesus. He trusted Jesus, obviously, because he came to him asking about eternal life. And you know the account where Jesus said you need to sell everything you have and give to the poor. He knew God. He trusted God. But he couldn't bring himself to live it out. It says he went away sorrowful. So when the Holy Spirit speaks into your life, people of faith, that we claim we have faith, and he speaks to us, even in these little things, and he says... You know me, you trust me. Are you willing to live this out, this little thing? Here is my tendency. And I guess, again, it's confession on my part. But my tendency is, it's something that he's speaking to me that I'm not doing. Wants me to change something. My tendency is to consider the source and ignore it. To justify what I'm doing. To busy my mind with other things so it's not so sharp. Or, I have the option of doing, of living it out, what God is asking me to do. Maybe some of you can relate to some of those things. 
The heroes of faith listed here in Hebrews 11 were not perfect. They made mistakes. But until I am ready to make whatever small change God is asking for in my life, until I'm ready to do that, no matter how small it is, and live that trust that I claim, I am not qualified to be listed in this list in Hebrews 11 as a person of faith. Faith is not a marginal, or we use this word a lot lately, a non-essential issue. Faith is not something that's unimportant. It is the core of what we believe. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's what makes it important. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith is the channel of our salvation. Ephesians 2 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. Jesus healed people on the basis of their faith. Their belief, their knowledge, their trust, and their willingness to live out that trustworthiness of God that they believed. He healed people on that basis. In Matthew 8, verse 2, it says, And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. If you're willing, I know you can make me clean. And there's lots of other instances in the New Testament where people came and, and they said they believed. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy was cleansed. In your spiritual life, Jesus or God will heal your spirit based on your faith. He will do it based on your faith. And now I want you to hear this. He can heal you in every other way of your life based on your faith. Notice I didn't say he will, but he can. He is able to heal you in every other area of your life, whether it's physical, whether it's a relationship, whether it's emotional. He can based on your faith. Joe Amaral's father died of a brain tumor and the a year later, Joe was talking to a friend or an acquaintance. I'm not sure it was a friend. It was an acquaintance. And the acquaintance quoted Matthew 17, verse 20. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. This is right after Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration. And there was a, a boy there who had uh, evil spirits. And the disciples couldn't cast out the evil spirits. And they asked Jesus why. And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. He quoted that verse to Joe Amaral, and he said, If your dad only would have had more faith, he would still be alive today. What do you think of that? So you all know people who are going through things in life. Does that mean if they don't, have enough, they don't have enough faith? If you had enough faith, you wouldn't be facing what you're facing. You wouldn't be going through what you're going through. This can touch pretty close to home. Because we all go through things in life. We all face suffering of some sort. 
And it can sound, when, when people use this verse this way, it can sound like you're facing what you're facing because you don't have enough faith. If you have enough faith, you will be healed. You have, if you have enough faith, all your relationships will be fixed. Not so. The language this was written in, the original language says, if you have the faith that is living like a mustard seed. He's not talking about the size of the mustard seed here at all. He's saying, if you have faith that is living like a mustard seed, and a mustard plant is a weed. It's a tenacious weed that will grow anywhere. It'll grow in the most harsh environments, and it is so tenacious it will push over it will grow up and tip things over, whatever's sitting, almost anything that's sitting on it. That's how strong this mustard seed is. And I think that's what Jesus was referring to. He's not talking about the quantity or the size of your faith. He's talking about the quality of your faith. A tenacious faith that knows that God is reliable. He has never failed. Why would he fail now? He won't fail now. That is the tenacious faith of the mustard seed that God is real based on the evidence, based on the trustworthiness and the sureness of the word of God. This mustard seed will flourish in harsh environments. A faith as a mustard seed is a faith that will flourish in harsh environments. And that's when you're going through a sickness. That's when you're going through turmoil. That's when this faith needs to flourish. To recognize that the plan of God is far above mine. To surrender my life, my plans, and my will to the master plan of God. But most of all, to use the faith in my life as I'm going through these difficult times, these times of turmoil, to use this faith, allow God to use this time to redeem other people to himself. Think about people of faith who have gone through difficult times. And God has used those things to redeem people to himself. That's what Jesus is saying if you have faith living like a mustard seed. Some of you might be facing things this morning and you're thinking, I just can't make it. And you're right. On your own, you can't make it. But if you have the faith as a mustard seed, living like a mustard seed, yes, you can. This tenacious faith that will flourish in the harsh environment that you find yourself in. A strong, unbending faith. Like Abraham in Romans 4, it says, he staggered not at the promise of God. He was facing difficult things. Life wasn't working out for him. He was going to be the father of a great nation and he had no children. How's this going to work? It says, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. giving glory to God. In closing, I'd like you to turn with me to Mark chapter 9. This again is the account where Jesus had just come down from the Mount of Transfiguration and the disciples had tried to cast the demons out of this boy and they couldn't do it and the father was just beside himself. He didn't know what to do. And Jesus is testing the faith of the father Mark chapter 9, verse 23. This is the same account as that verse I read in Matthew. Mark 9, 23. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, 
All things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. I'm going to close with that thought because I believe that that is where all of us are here today. We, we have faith. We believe in God. And it's easy to do that when things are rolling along smoothly. But when we are faced with difficult things or, or when God is touching an area in your life that you need to change, just a little thing maybe, that's where faith is hard. Maybe you're facing a, a relationships or a sickness or something. That's when faith is hard. And that's where we have to say, like this father, in the Amplified, it says, Lord, I believe constantly. Help my weakness of faith. So are you a man or a woman of faith? I think your answer to that should be, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. If you're able to, would you kneel for prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we come to you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your trustworthiness and the assurance and the confidence that we can have in following after you. I pray that you will be with each one here. Be with those who are facing difficulties in life in whatever area it may be. Give them faith living like a mustard seed that can flourish in a harsh environment in these difficult times of turmoil. Pray that you will help us to strengthen our faith by yielding wholly to you, listening to you, obeying, having that knowledge, that trust, and then living out our faith. I pray that our worship will have been acceptable to you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.